Welcome to New Bridge Christian Community, a place we experience perfection unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Join us as Pastor David of Galenrobo teaches and divides the word of truth. Be blessed as you listen to the sermon. In Christ, we are God's new breed. Jesus' name. I don't know who is here, but Lord is saying, believe. Believe. You've spent so much time going around in circles. Now it's time to believe. Praise God. Okay. For the past three Sundays, we've been looking at how to read, understand, and interpret the Bible. And we've been considering some rules of biblical interpretation i i know it was very strange to a lot of people when we put up the poster how to read understand somebody was like that i've never had that kind of topic in in the church before i said well it's new breed <laughs> amen and we mentioned some rules some principles some rules anyone that works best for you said principle number one literal reading principle number two is principle of witness don't worry I'll explain what they mean for those who have not been around context literal understanding principle number five whole counsel of God okay principle of literal reading says before you try to understand the bible start reading it do you understand that just read it read it read it the second one is witness what is witness it means for a thing to be a biblical doctrine there must be more than one verse of the bible talking about the same thing praise the lord that's witness. Principle number three is context. It says truth does. Am I too fast? Truth does not exist without a context. Meaning truth only exists within a given context. And we give an explanation for this. So let me do that drama again. Matthew 27. Am I correct? Let me check it. Let me do that drama with you. You say important context is now. Matthew 28 from verse 13. Just open Matthew 28, 13. Matthew chapter 28 from verse 13. Saying, say ye. 
His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Imagine you came to church and a pastor read this verse and he said, Saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And he tells you, Jesus did not resurrect. The disciples stole him by night while they were sleeping. Imagine the pastor says that. And he was surprised. He said, but I'm showing you in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. As even though it is written in the Bible, you know that that person is wrong. Why is he wrong? Because the context, who who was talking? Who is he talking to? What is happening around that place? Do you understand that? So to get context, to get the truth, you must find out what is the context around it. For instance, a child in Nigeria, if you ask him, who is the president of your country? Or who is the president of this country? He will say, President Buhari. If he goes to the US, or maybe Canada, and they ask him, who is the president of this country? If he opens his mouth and says Buhari, somebody may, he may give him a slap before he is... Because in Nigeria, in that context, Buhari is the president. But in a different context, it, that truth cannot hold again. Are you following this? So truth must exist within a given context. So example like this one, who was talking? You have to go back a little, some verses behind to find out. Let's check from verse 10. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that this is after he has erected. Go tell my brethren that they go that they go unto Galilee and there they shall see me. Verse 11. And when they were going, behold, some of some of the watch came into the city. You need to read much more behind to know who the watch. The watch were actually the watchers. The security men. Do you understand that? Watchmen. Uh-huh. It's better put like that. Some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. Verse 12. And when they were assembled with the elders and are taking counsel, they gave large money to the soldiers. So the elders gave large money to the soldiers. Go back, please. So the elders gave large money to the soldiers, verse 13, saying, say ye. So who are the ones that were saying this? The elders. Do you understand? They gave money to the soldiers that they should go and spread the rumor around that Jesus Christ is not resurrected. Do you understand this? So... Because of context, we cannot pull out this verse of the Bible. Praise the Lord. That's context. Then, we spoke about literal understanding. In literal understanding, you are trying to to understand what the Bible is saying. There's a difference between literal reading and literal understanding. As great as literal reading is, it is not enough. There must be some sort of understanding literally. Meaning you, you have to employ some um, some basic rules of literature. Because the Bible is a book. Praise the Lord. Please bear with me. I know that this particular teaching series for, for this July, for Sundays, is not exhaustive. We, have, we don't always have enough time to treat everything. Next, I will not put it on a Sunday again. We will prepare one 10 hour one Saturday that we will have 10 hours or 12 hours to study it because 
and those are some people come this Sunday. Do you understand? So they miss. There's a lot of, and there are so many examples. Praise God. So, I've learned. So under literal understand, we mentioned four, four things to consider. Figures of speech. Figures of speech. When the Bible says, for instance, when the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God, it does not mean that Jesus is a four-legged creature. Do you understand that? It's a figure of speech because he will be sacrificed. Do you understand that? You know, simile, metaphors, figures of speech. Of speech. They are in cultural background. The cultural background or the tradition of the people. And we, we gave an example last week that covering of hair is an example of cultural background. In, the, in that nation, in that city, a woman is, uh, is known that is identified as married by covering her hair. Do you understand that? So, the church of Jesus Christ had to recognize that in terms of the fact that a person, a woman who is ministering or praying and is a married woman supposed to have some, some observable figure of authority according to the custom. Praise the Lord. In this day, is not the same. See, and I gave an for instance, now there are many things that are that are commonplace to us. When we talk, we know about it. For instance, we can say, "I want to go to the ATM." Are you following this? That's the background. That's the context. The cultural setting. We 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 get money by going to the ATM. Imagine five hundred years ago. Imagine what you are do. What we are doing now was documented, and somebody reads, they are going to the ATM. Which is the ATM? The person has to come back and learn about what an ATM is in this culture. Do you understand that? 500 from now, they may not be using ATM again. Like, everybody is going cashless now. Uh, they are doing cashless society. They may not be using ATM. It may be something else. It may be who God knows. Then when they are now reading, imagine what you are doing now is now documented. And, and Alice went to the ATM to withdraw money. What's that? For her to get it, she has to come and... You get that? For instance, let me do one funny one. Even some parents may not know this. But because they are young children, we know it. If somebody goes around and doing something like... They will be like, what are you talking about? But some, do you understand that kind of thing? The background has made different. Even some parents don't know. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Hey, mommy is there now. What are you both talking about? <laughs> so, the background and culture. So, because the church of Jesus Christ is not... We have Christian orthodoxy. But Christian orthodoxy is independent of the traditions of the people. For instance, the Bible doesn't give dress code. But it just tells you dress modestly. If you go to the north... You enter some churches and everybody dressed as if they are Muslim. They are not all Muslims. Do you understand that? So imagine you go into church now, you see somebody dressing with the, some what they call jalabia, and you say, "Ah, what's a Muslim doing here?" He's a Christian, but that's dressing, not Christianity. So we can't make doctrine out of things that are cultural. Let me show you another one: Romans sixteen, verse sixteen. 
Romans 16 from verse 16. Somebody open Romans 16 verse 16 and that person 1 Corinthians 16 verse 20. Now, Romans 16 verse 16 says, Salute one another with an holy kiss. <laughs> the churches of Christ salute you. Look at 1 Corinthians 16 verse 20. You see something similar there too. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 20. And all the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. That's cultural. Don't try it today. Somebody's husband will slap you. <laughs> because then they will greet one another. They will peck. Even, though, even now, I said, when we some wise people do it, say, no. <laughs> You are playing with fire. <laughs> you see, see how culture is the third one, which we didn't talk about, but we can't even finish it. Expression and language. Or oh, I will see what I can do. Expression. Expressions. And fourth one here is mental models. And others. Now, I will merge the two together and talk about it. Expression. It has to do with the way words are used. You know, the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament was written in Greek. So, when they were translating the Bible, many times... When the Bible is translated, it was not even translated to the English you use now. It was translated to old English. So many times when the words come out, it may not sound it may sound a little bit awkward. Are you following me? Let's look at an example. James chapter two from verse one. James two from verse one. It says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to person of persons. For if they come unto your assembly, a man with a gold ring, in a goodly apparel, and there come a poor, a poor man in a vile raiment. Verse 3. And you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. Are you seeing this? <laughs> and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand he, thou here, or sit here or under my footstool. Are ye not them partial in yourselves? He's trying to say, when people when we come to church, we don't honor people by how much they have. We don't honor people by by oh, this one is looking good, so we give him special seats. Then people who are not looking fine, go yeah. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He said, let everybody sit where they want to sit. But my emphasis there is look at verse three. And ye have respect to him that wear the gay clothing. Somebody can pick this up and say, Brethren, I have a revelation. Oh, Shabaramanata. I have. According to this verse, gay, this gay represents a good, a fine cloth. But in today's use of English, gay has nothing to do with anything good. Check it in your dictionary. Gay either means a homosexual or somebody who is not serious. 
In this use of English, gay represents a fine cloth. You know, in jam, there's something called use of English. Use of English is not English, it's use of English. They'll say, so they'll say, which one best fits this place? Which one best suits this? Do you understand that? That's use of English. So it's the use now. From this context, we can know. So from the context, this is why context is important. So the way he's talking about this clothing, we know that gay clothing means something good. Do you understand that? But in our modern day use of English, <laughs> you see that. That's under literal understand expression. You said that one. Praise the Lord. Somebody may be looking at me and say, I came to church to hear the word. Don't worry. We are teaching how to hear. We are teaching you how to be a good Bible student. Praise the Lord. We'll not do it again. <laughs> we we'll, we'll, we'll do a special course for it. Praise God. Let's let me show you another one. Okay, before before I even go to the next one. If I go to the next one, even in that place, go back to that James. Go back to verse 2. James 2 verse 2. It says, For if they are coming to an assembly, a man with a gold ring and a goodly apparel. From here we can know that the glory apparel resonates with the gay clothing. Do you understand that? And a poor man with a vile agreement. This word vile. You have to read the Bible much more to understand. There's something called Bible language. There's a way the Bible talks. If you've read the Bible a little bit, you will find out that vile always represents something inferior in comparison to something superior. Example, Philippians 3. Philippians 3. From verse 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who shall change our vile body. You see that now. Our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Are you seeing the comparison again now? Vile body in comparison to the glorious body. Praise the Lord. Remember after one teaching like that, the person said, That church now school. You go there, carry your book. <laughs> before, you, before you go there, one year like this, eh? don't know book finish. <laughs> it is well. Praise the Lord. And another example, you see Jesus say in Matthew 3 verse 13. This still is under expression. So, in dealing with expressions, you have to get rid of your mental models. Do you understand? When you see things, for instance, I want to ask a question. I, don't, I won't go on, but let me ask a question. If you hear the word synagogue, what comes to your mind? Somebody should answer me. Uh, mommy has. Uh, why did you? Uh, I needed somebody who had a, a model in his mind. Most people, synagogue actually means church building. But most people, when they hear synagogue, let me tell you what I heard. What I thought synagogue means. Church of Satan. <laughs> For years, until one day I said, wait, what does. The Bible says that Jesus was going around and he was teaching in the synagogues. They see the mental model of many people believe they believe that synagogue ah hmm, occultic church. 
Somebody was telling me now, can't you see the name synagogue? Sin, sin, synagogue. There is sin inside. That's not how to read the Bible. You don't get Rema like that. <laughs> synagogue just means a Jewish church temple. A, a hall. A hall they go to have meeting. So, a Jew now becomes just say, ah, I like you with synagogue. He will call this place a synagogue. Do you understand that? That, should I go on on this expression of mental models? Okay. Let me do this one. You will need this one. People who use King James a lot, you will need what I want to say. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Verse 14. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and cometh thou to me. Verse 14, fast And cometh thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so for now. I want to talk about suffer. So, Jesus co- comes to the baptism of John. And John says, Ah, I'm supposed to be the one that's baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? Jesus now says, Suffer it to be so for now. Suffer does not mean. Uh, <laughs> Suffer in this context does not mean suffering. Suffer means let it be so or allow it to be so. And usually in the King James rendering, almost everywhere you see suffer is talking about let it be or allow it. You see another one, Matthew 8 verse 21. Verse 21. I will, I will preach one Powerful Rema, you will shock here now. <laughs> and another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. You see that let. And let the dead bury the dead. Somebody can say, When you go to do your work and you don't do God's work, you are going to suffer. Because he said, Suffer me to go and bury. That's not what he's saying. Go to verse 21. Another of the disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me. The, Lord, the suffer there means allow me. And Jesus is saying, no, leave the dead, come and walk. Jesus is saying, don't go and suffer. That's not what you're saying there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. His expressions, mental models. Do you know that many funny teachings and doctrines have come out from... Who is understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. I tried my best to make it as simple as possible. The next and final one we'll treat is principle number five. We call it the whole counsel of God. Praise Jesus. I think before I go on, I want to play a video. Don't worry. Every Sunday we've been playing videos. After this Sunday, we won't play a video again. See, further notice. Because this is more or less a class. Teaching this is more or less a class. So, open, open the volume. Start from the beginning and open it. Start from the beginning again. Don't worry, you are in training, <laughs> in training school. Bible is an important book, but it's really long. 
Yeah, it's a collection of many books written over a long period of time, but altogether they tell one unified story. So, what's the story of the Bible? Inclusively. Well, it begins by introducing us to a beautiful mind, the author of all reality, a being called God. And he has the power to take the dark chaos of the uncreated world and bring about order and beauty and a garden full of life. And to crown this accomplishment, God appoints these creatures called humanity. Or in Hebrew, Adam. And they're made as God's image. Which means that they're commissioned to rule this beautiful world on God's behalf by harnessing all of its potential and creating even more beauty and order. This is a story about humans using their power to do meaningful, life-giving work. But the question is, how? Yeah, humanity now faces a choice that's represented by a fruit tree. So humans could partner with God and find freedom by trusting in his knowledge of good and evil. Or they could seize power and define good and evil on their own, which, God warns, will kill them. And they hear the voice of a dark, mysterious creature that tells them the choice is simple. Take the fruit. It'll give you power and freedom to rule the world on your own terms. And so they seize this knowledge, and as a result, they become suspicious and self-protective. It leads to fractured relationships, violent power grabs, and ultimately, a whole civilization, Babylon, that has redefined evil as good. And so, God scatters this corrupted human project. And here the story of the Bible takes an important turn. We zoom in to the story of a man and a woman who come out of Babylon, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, God promises that from them will come a new people, a nation that has another chance to make the right choice. And if they succeed, it will open up this new way forward for the rest of humanity. And this is why the rest of the Bible story is about this family. And it does not go well. Despite God's personal guidance, Abraham's family gives in to that same temptation to redefine good and evil on their own terms, apart from God. Even when their best people were in charge, rulers who loved God's guidance and had divine wisdom, even they gave in. And so Israel was warned by their own prophets that these choices would lead them back to Babylon, this time as conquered captives living in exile, and that's exactly what happened. So even with God's personal guidance, Israel fails. Who can succeed? Well, the prophet said that the story wasn't over. God's going to send a new leader to Israel to cover for their failures and to transform the people's hearts and minds so that they can make the right choice. And so the part of the Bible called the Old Testament ends, and these promises are left hanging. And then the biblical story continues into the New Testament. We're introduced to a man who comes from the line of Israel's kings, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that he was bringing all these promises to their completion. He confronted that dark, mysterious evil that all humanity has given into and resisted its power. And then he announced that God had arrived to rule the world through himself. Jesus taught about God's definition of good and evil, and he said that real power is serving others. According to Jesus, it's people who love the poor and even love their enemies. These are the kinds of people who actually rule the world. And that's confusing, but also really beautiful. And so is the claim that the story goes on to make about Jesus, that he is God become human, to be for Israel and for all humanity what we could never be for ourselves. He came to take the consequences of our evil into himself, and his sacrificial love proved more powerful than evil, than even death itself. So now humanity's presented with a new choice. Represented by a new tree. 
stick with the old way of being human, or venture into this new way. And in the story, those who choose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power. People who know that they are loved and forgiven by God can become people who love and forgive others in return. The Jesus movement quickly spread throughout the world, forming these new communities of people who follow the way of Jesus. But they faced problems. There was persecution from the outside by people in power, and inside there was confusion, even compromise. Yeah, because following Jesus is really hard. And so the movement's leaders, called apostles, they wrote letters to comfort and to challenge these communities to stay faithful to the difficult way of Jesus. And they're called to hope for the day when Jesus will come and change everything. And so the Bible ends by pointing to the future day, when all wrongs are made right, when evil is eradicated, heaven and earth are united, and humanity can rule the world together in the love and power of God. Okay, so that's the story. Jesus. So we've been playing all of these so that it can help in um, putting the mind together. I know it looks cartoonish, but if you listen to what is going on, it's not, it's not a cartoon. You understand that? We also understand that this style of teaching and ministry is not common. Do you understand? You know, a lady met me last week Sunday. She said, since I started coming to this church, it's as if they've been writing my head, my for the past, all I've known for the past 25 years, it's as if they are reprogramming the whole thing. I said, it is well though. He said, that it, it, will take, it will take me some time. I said, I understand. Praise God. So, the principle of the whole counsel of God is trying to say that the Bible has a particular message. Are you following this? The Bible has a particular message. This message is called the whole counsel. You don't interpret the Bible outside that message. Praise God. The message of the Bible is God's salvation plan for, for mankind in Christ Jesus. It tells the story of God's redemption plan and how man can become part of the same. Let me go over that again. So I said, you don't interpret the Bible outside the whole counsel of God. And that whole counsel, that message can be summarized as God's salvation plan for mankind in Christ Jesus. Praise God. It shows God's promise of redemption and how he fulfilled it. Now, somebody may say, ah, so are you trying to tell me that the whole Bible is about salvation? Yes. What about money, prosperity, power, health? It is also there, but it's not the central message. Do you understand? So, in trying to talk about salvation, you talk about this. In trying to talk about salvation, he's talking about this too. You cannot talk about salvation without dealing with those other small, small, smaller, smaller, smaller issues. You get that. So, in addressing the issue of salvation, you address the issue of poverty. In, you get me? The primary reason why there's poverty in the world is because of wickedness. That's the primary reason. Before you start talking about work hard, giving, uh, no, the primary reason for poverty is wickedness. And the primary reason for wickedness is sin. Who is following this? 
If some people did what they ought to do by now, some, some ah. I heard that there was a time in this country. I, I still can't believe it that there was a time in this country that people finished from the university and they came out and as they are coming out, they're giving you a job. Is it true, mommy? Is it true? Are you serious? That you finished from you, but now. Laborobo City. There was a time in this country like that. There was a time in Nigeria that one naira. You can imagine. So the primary reason for lack, want, hardship is wickedness, and wickedness is the result of sin. So if God is dealing with sin. Somehow you will talk about those things. Are you following this? So you must see the progression of revelation of how God solved man's greatest problem in Christ. You, if not, you you tumble the Bible, and you cannot see it if you don't understand the gospel. Praise the Lord. Let me read, before I talk about the gospel a little bit, let me read the verse of the Bible for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. From verse 9, we'll read verse 9, verse 12, then verse 9 and verse 12 to 14, verse 9. It says, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Read verse 12. Um, maybe was that too fast in verse 9? I think let me come back again. Verse 3, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 9. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, what is the ministration of condemnation here? He's talking, talking about the Old Testament, Moses, and all of that. It says, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So he's saying, If that dispensation had some sort of glory, how much more with this dispensation that, that Christ has ushered in? That one in glory. Amen. Amen. Verse 12. It says, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. So he's saying that the face on the veil on Moses' face was a demonstration of the fact that in the Old Testament they did not fully grasp what God was trying to do. Do you understand that? They, they, were not, they could not completely understand everything. Praise the Lord. It says, not as much which put the veil over his face that the children of Israel could not certainly look to the end of that which is abolished. Verse 14. But their minds were blinded. Pay attention now. For until this day remained the same veil on taking away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ. So, if you cannot see what God is doing in Christ as you are reading the Old Testament, there will still be a veil. Whenever you read the Bible and you, you, it cannot be, you cannot see how it relates to how, where is the, the place of this thing in Christ? He said there is still a veil. Praise the Lord. So, if we are going to read the Bible and the veil will be taken away, we must read it in Christ's redemptive work. That's what it means in Christ. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 3 from verse 1. 
Thank you. Do quite some reading. You know, as a ministry, it's not those of you who have been here for a while, you know it's not every day that's like this. This particular July has been with the study no is small. <laughs> some sometimes it's all about power, people are falling, anointing, healing, but some days is praise God. For this cause I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, verse two. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, some I, I still like in James. The dispensation of God is given to me, to you what? So God gave it to me because of you. So God anointed me, not for me, but for you. Do you understand that? That's what he's saying. That this grace was given to me, not for me, but for you. Hey. So God called me not for me, for other people. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> That's what he's saying there. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote afore in few words. Verse 4. Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So, Paul has written down the things that God revealed to him. When we read it, we understand his knowledge in the mystery. Praise God. See, many people don't know what they need. Many Christians don't know what they need. I'm telling you, what should a church be doing? I know I've summarized the, church, the work of a church before in, a, in four points during that last healing service. Number one, a church will make you a, a ministry will make you a student of Christ. Number two, a ministry will deploy the power of God to deal with situations. Number three, I've forgotten the number three and fourth one, but I know I wrote them down. But I know the, the third one has to do with society. You see those two? Very important. Verse five. Which in other ages, now you see this, it says, this mystery in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles but holy apostles and prophets by the spirit so now what god was trying to do that time it was not clear to them but now it has been made clear to us by his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit now if you notice he's saying apostles before prophets but if you read the bible is actually the prophets before the apostles it is the prophets that talked about the Old Testament. The Old Testament was the result of the work of prophets. Praise the Lord. The New Testament is the result of the work of apostles. But why is he saying apostles and prophets? Not prophets and apostles. Because you see, is the you know normal reading, we read Old Testament and New Testament. But Bible students read from New Testament to Old Testament. It's New Testament that makes us understand Old Testament. For instance, Old Testament, you see, you see something like um you shall keep the Sabbath. You will make it holy. Um, don't do any work on the Sabbath. It's the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 4 that tells us that Christ is our Sabbath. That when you come into Christ, you come into your rest. Praise the Lord. They were doing a feast called Sabbath, but the Sabbath actually is Christ. So when we come into Christ, we've come into rest. Hey. 
Pori, another one. They are doing Passover in the Old Testament. But the Bible now says, Christ is our Passover. <laughs> See. <laughs> Do you understand that? Give me Second Corinthians. Is it First Corinthians? First Corinthians five. First Corinthians five. I think verse seven. Okay. He says, "Purge out therefore the old living, that he may be a new lump." What's the old living? Someone who's refusing to conform to the the the, the teaching of Scripture. He says, Purge out therefore the old living that he may be a new lump, and say are unliving. For even Christ, our Passover. Now, they were doing a Passover. To them, it's about food. Now, where did this Passover start from? It started from Egypt. When th- there was a plague over the land of Egypt, and God was going to smite all the firstborns. He says, By the blood of the lintel, when you put the blood of the lamb, you will kill a lamb and put the blood on the lintel. When you put the blood on the lintel, the angel of death will pass over. The judgment will pass over. So he's trying to say, when you come into Christ, the judgment of the world cannot be for the believer. Hey, hey, hey. See, that, that revelation of Passover should make you, if the world is going under coronavirus, not me. Do you understand? Christ is my Passover. In Christ, I am different. Do you understand that? So after me, Christ is my Passover. Are you seeing how? That's the Bible. Praise the Lord. Now, go back to verse 5. Ephesians 3 verse 5. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So it is the Holy Ghost that revealed to the apostles. Now, the Holy Ghost is not trying to reveal something new. The Holy Ghost makes us understand what they wrote. Praise God. So we receive revelation in their revelation, not our own revelation. Praise God. By the Spirit, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same, of the same, of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the Gospel. So, it's as though in the Old Testament, God was saying something and it was about Christ. But now, it has been made open. God has fulfilled it. And now we can be made partakers. Now, the Gentiles actually refers to all of us. So. The Jews actually, the Bible talks about Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were Israelites. God used them, you know, in, in I, you know, sometimes to explain the Bible, like, there are many concepts that, as a teacher, there are many concepts that come to your mind. The people do sets. You do sets. In mathematics, there's something called sets. There is the box set and there is the subset. So, the Jews and the Gen- all of us, we have the same problem. All of us. Israel is not better than you. All of us, we have the same problem. So, God wants to deal with the world. So, how will he deal with it? If he goes once to the world, you have a problem. So, he will take a subset. Did you understand that? Give them the law as if they were special people. The law, they tried to keep it, they could not keep it. It's not sure that the same same problem the entire world has, Israel has. So the subset will show the particular problem of everybody. Anything that the subset has is the same issue that everybody has. Do you get that? They also, they also do it in microbiology. When you want to deal with a cell, they will take a specimen. They will take one out. That's what was happening with Israel. And they thought there were some special people. So Paul is not trying to say that 
The mystery actually from the beginning was that the Gentiles should be, part, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise. Praise the Lord. Of his promise where? In Christ, by the gospel. Verse 7. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of Glory! Let's, let's, verse 8. Unto me who am less of the saints is this grace given that I should preach the Gentile among the untouchable riches of Christ. Verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God who had created all things by Jesus Christ. I will keep the time. There's so much to talk about the Bible. See, as a believer, eh, the, sometimes when I'm talking to believers, I'm like, where will I start from? There's so much you need to know about what God has done for you in Christ. If not, you will live your life. Go to heaven and find out that. Hey. <laughs> Somebody say after me, I cannot be defeated. I cannot be defeated. God has done it all for me in Christ. Praise the Lord. So, the apostles broke down the test, Old Testament to show them how it was actually talking about Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his work, and how we can become partakers of the same. Praise God. One more example. Uh, okay, I have two more examples. God will help me. Ten minutes. Exodus 19 verse 5. Are you ready? If you are online... You can type, I'm ready. But cl- church class, are you ready? <laughs> See Exodus 19, verse 5. He says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then shall ye be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth of mine. Verse 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. Are you seeing this? So, God told them in the book of Exodus, if you obey me, I will make you a holy nation, a peculiar treasure, a kingdom of priests. If you will obey. If you will obey. Open to First Peter chapter 2, from verse 9. First Peter 2, verse 9. It says, But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood is the same as saying a kingdom of priests. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show for the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Question. He told them in the Old Testament if they will obey, right? Now he's telling us in the New Testament that you are already. At what point did we obey? The day you got born again and accepted the gospel, you obeyed. Did you understand that? Because, you see, Jesus Christ was the one that completely obeyed indeed. He fulfilled the covenant to the full. What was the covenant? The soul that sinned shall die. So, he, oh my God. We are the ones that sinned. We are the ones that deserve to die. He took upon all himself, all the sin, and died all the deaths. Now, you don't need to die. Just come into him, you have obeyed. So if you come into Christ, you have obeyed. 
That's why in the New Testament, the apostles actually find it hard to understand how Christians disobey God. Because in Christ Jesus, you have made a new creature. You have got an obedient child. Do you understand that? This is why we tell people, take your work with God serious. Believe. Accept the gospel. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What does it mean the wages of sin is death? You know, yesterday on evangelism, I was explaining this thing to somebody, a Muslim got born again. <laughs> she, she literally, before I could say let us pray, she just bent her head and was doing like this. I was praying and was crying. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Do you know what that means? It means for every sin, the recompense is death. If you, according to Jesus, if you, according to the Bible, if you steal a mic, the consequence is that you will die. That is today. Tomorrow, you think an evil thought, you will die. Next tomorrow, you think you will die. Question, how many deaths can you die? Oh, Jesus. If you were supposed to die for your sins, if you die, it's not enough. Are you following this? Even if you wanted to die for your sins, how many deaths can you die all the, all the... Think about it. Even if you have lived for 10 years, the sins you've committed from when you were 0 to 10, plus the one that was in your parents' room, can you die all of them? But Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He had eternal life. The past, present, future. So by one death, he can die all of them. Uh, do you understand that? So the person who does not accept the gospel has an eternal depth of death. He will be dying for eternity. Do you understand that? He will be in hell till no end. So the Bible calls it a gift. It's a gift. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin. You finish working, they say, come and take your pay. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Glory! Glory. Praise God. I'm revealing to you, I'm, I'm trying to bring you from the point where, from just a normal Christian to a, a, man, in, you, a man who understands what is happening here. Praise God. This work is not easy. It's, it's, it takes a skill. Paul says, as a wise master builder, you have to break it down. You have to read the Bible and see what God is doing there. Like, for instance, look at the one we just looked at. In the Old Testament, it says, if you obey. Now, he says, you are ready. That means if you come into Christ, you've obeyed. Let me show you. Romans 10. According to God, Obedience is first to the gospel. Praise the Lord. Romans 10. Hey. It's not that service is closed, closed. I'm feeling what is called word power. The anointing from the word. Romans 10 from verse 13. It says... Romans 10 verse 13, he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom of whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See verse 16. But they have all obeyed the gospel. They have not done what? They have not all obeyed the gospel. Hey. They have not all obeyed the gospel. So how do you obey? For Isaiah said, Lord, who had believed our report? The day you believe, that's the day you obeyed. Do you understand that? Said, for they have not all obeyed. The this thing we are talking about has is, is beyond money. It's beyond cloth. It's beyond material things. Do you understand that? We're talking about eternity here. Now, yesterday, we were answering a question at the evangelism. So, somebody was like, okay, now God has given me eternal life. Yes, I have eternal life. I am saved. What about my needs? What about my money? What about my clothes? What about my life? If God can deal with your sin, that is a more difficult problem. How much more things of this world? Let me read that verse. Romans 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say then to these things? Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, say after me, God is for me. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me not. That one wants to preach me up, but let's go to verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hi. Now, if God can deal with the issue of your sin, the issue of your health is no big deal. The issue of your job is nothing. If God can deal with your sin, do you know what sin is? Look at this, the, the, the video we're watching. For it had to take, it took God almost 4,000 years to ingeniously devise a means to deal with sin. Almost 4,000 years. What is your issue? Satan is nothing. There is nothing too hard for God. If God is for me. Hey, yeah, yeah, Kaporodos. See, how will God be for you? Believe the gospel. Once you believe the gospel, God is for you. Now, look at he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wait, freely? Yes. But somebody said, I had to sow a seed to get it. See, 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 see. According to God's pattern, you give not to receive, but because you've received. You give not to receive, but because you've received. According to God, when you receive, you come and say thank you. That's what our Robert called seed faith. What is seed faith? When you receive it in your spirit that something has come, you go and give a seed. Do you understand that? When you have a witness that this thing is done, I, I receive it. Not that you are trying to use the seed to burn God. Let me tell you, I vowed to preach the truth to. It's not easy, but I, I vowed to preach it. How shall he not with him freely give us? Ah. Hey. Hey. No matter how big that thing is. Think, see. I want to think about it. That business, that million, billion dollar business idea, it is not too big. Listen, you can do it. Do you understand that? God has a plan for your life. That healing is not too hard. It will happen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm trying to construct the 
counsel of God in your spirit. This is why many times we don't have a, a full-blown ushering team. When church becomes, grow, become bigger. Go and ease yourself. Everybody ease himself before he starts service. So everybody. Uh, once we start teaching, and once we start teaching, we do like the those Orthodox church those days. We actually the real Orthodox, but it's where we will use red cloth. <laughs> no movement. So that the word of God can enter, sink into your spirit. Praise God. You have to understand that in Christ, God has done it all. Do you understand that? Except me, God has done it all for me in Christ. There is nothing too difficult for God to do. I cannot see, if I want to show you another thing in this verse, this verse, it will, it will disturb somebody's theology. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us whole, how shall he not with him? In God's opinion, the day he gives you Christ, he settled your life. This is why you must not play with your work in Christ. There's a, there's a, big, there's a big debate in the Christendom now about prosperity gospel. That does coming to Christ make you prosper? Christ did not directly die for prosperity. If Christ died for you, he has considered your prosperity. It's, it's to him. You must know that. How shall you not with him? There are, there are other dynamics to this thing. August. August. Call your friends. August. We'll be talking about God, my God, my gold, money, giving, all those things. Let's answer all those questions. Then we'll come back to serious business. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody say whole counsel of God. You must see that it has been done. Look at what we saw in Romans 10 verse 16. They have not all obeyed the gospel. So did they obey the gospel and become obedient? So you see First Peter chapter 1 verse 14. You see the language now changes. First Peter 1 verse 14. Please bear with me. I, I, I'm trying to do a work. After this Sunday, I don't have I, I may not have another time to do it until further notice. It says, as obedient children, look at this. He's calling you obedient children. Say after me, I'm obedient. See. According to God's philosophy, he believes that if he tells you that he has made, this is what he has made you, that's what you will live out. Many people think that if you, tell people to, if you come to church and tell them, stop sinning, stop sinning, stop smoking, that's when they will stop. No, you are doing Old Testament pattern. Old Testament pattern says, if you obey my voice, this one says, when you believe you have obeyed. If you, te- if you think that, oh, it's by shouting on them, all you need to be sure of is as the person believed, has he, be, has he really been saved? That's why we did the other teaching the other day. Am I saved? Because let me tell you the problem. We are trying to talk to people who are not, many people of them, they have not even been saved. They do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? We are trying to force people to do what they have not even come into. The basics of salvation has not entered. According to him, if you believe you are an obedient child, he will be moving you, be moving you to obey. 
you will know uh, there are many things about it. The, the word of God will be drawing you. See, see, mommy. Mommy is a grandmother. She's a grandmother here. She's coming to hear the word of God. She's coming to hear the word of God because she knows she knows it. Oh, this thing I'm hearing is the word of God. See, mommy here. Our mommy is here. There's another one in the other place. They are coming because of the word of God. Praise the Lord. One more. Lady Guru Sat. Can I do oh, Jesus? Ephesians 2. If God be for us, who can be against us? We'll do Ephesians 2 later. Let's do one. We can't let's leave Ephesians 2, please. Ezekiel 18, verse 1. Ezekiel 18 verse 1. You see, what I'm doing is, I want you to see the whole counsel. To see that Christ, this thing, you must read the Bible in Christ. You must. Ezekiel 18 from verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that use this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children teeth are set on an edge. <laughs> Wait, don't rush to verse 3. Stay with verse 2 first. Years ago, I was in a deliverance service and they were using that teeth. Right now, we are going to pray. For the Bible says, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and children sit on an edge. There are some of you here, even though you are a Christian. You might be a Christian, but you, your, your teeth can be set on an edge. Everybody shout out, Jesus! Hey! Me, I was there too. I knelt down. Oh God, every sour grape my father have eaten. Let them spit it out now. Spit it out now. But... Yes, even here. He says, What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel? Saying the fathers are eating sour grapes and the trends that are set on an edge. On edge, I mean, verse 3. As I live, said the Lord God. They did not finish reading it. It's a question. As I live, said the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. This is Old Testament. In October, we'll be treating, dealing with deliverance, preaching deliverance. Why is it that many people go for deliverance services and still don't get delivered? Because they are not doing it the Bible way. There is a Bible theology to deliverance. There is how deliverance works. Deliverance does not work outside the work of Christ. According to deliverance, according to the Bible teaching on deliverance, you take what has been done in Christ and use it to break every symptom of what is trying to show as if it has not been done. When a person is born again, in the spirit, every connection to your family is destroyed. You cannot be dying, you cannot be suffering for what you did not do. You cannot be here and be suffering for what your fathers have done. See verse 18. See verse 4, I mean, please. Verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the father, so is the soul of the son. Son is mine. So that she net it shall die. You cannot take the soul of the father, the, the sin of the son. The father will not start suffering the sin of the son. Neither can the son be suffering the sin of the father. He's saying the soul that sinner shall die. So if it's the father that sinned, he will be, he will be the one to suffer. If it's the son that sinned, he will be the one to suffer. And even the son that sinned, he has entered Christ. <laughs> Who is understanding what I'm saying here? 
He's saying you should not use that proverb again. Somebody is now coming in 2004. If you don't follow the Bible way, you will keep on going for deliverance prayer. Deliverance prayer. Deliverance prayer. Deliverance is first of all a preaching thing before a praying thing. The Bible says, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach deliverance. He has anointed me to preach deliverance. If you don't understand what you are in Christ, if you like go for 5 million deliverance prayers, you will not be delivered. The prayer comes after the preaching. Oh. Many people, you know, I can say this. I've seen causes break. I've seen manipulations break. I can't forget NLA. She kept meeting me. Her papers was being seized. You stay on the word of God. You know when you're teaching about faith. You stay on the, you stay on new creation realities till it becomes truth in your spirit. Then pray. Now go to let's see what God has done in Christ about things like this. Ephesians two verse one. The devil has failed you. In your life, he has failed. In my family, there was a trend. There was a trend of death. I'm telling you what was happening. In fact, people were scared. Many men of God told me that, see, we are scared. Anytime anybody in your family wants to serve God, before they, before they grow to a particular stage, when it looks like they are beginning to break out, they will just die. I said, no problem. One day I was praying in Bainway State. Fasting and praying, Mark Catabal. I heard a voice as clear as crystal behind me. He said, If we don't kill you this year, that was 2016 January. See, if we don't kill you this year, we have missed you. And I said, You've missed me. I replied back, That's another part of it. No matter who prays for you, you see, you are the first prophet of your deliverance. You must, oh God, there must be some level of violence to it. Do you, do you get? The violence is not the first thing. It must be what it must be conviction from the Bible. Okay, now you are violently praying. Why? What's your conviction to pray? Oh yeah, cut last service. Cut everything. Cut everything. Cut. <laughs> you are doing cut last service. You don't know what the word of God says. After you finish, the demon will laugh. <laughs> he will laugh. And Satan likes all those things too. Satan likes all those drama. He will, he will give you more inspiration. <laughs> he, he likes all those plenty drama. We can't bring salt. Can't bring salt. We bring salt now. We we. <laughs> so I actually went on a journey. I was traveling the next day. Traveled from Benue to Lagos. My way back, just as he promised, he came. At in while we entered Edo State, driving through Edo State. If I when I entered the, the bus, I was moved in the spirit. That's another thing. Those are the points I would teach. I would spread it out in October. Inside the bus, I had a strong knowing. Start praying. I said, everybody, I'm led to pray. So I'm a pastor. It was a Sunday, so I said, we are going to do service in this bus. Are you ready? We we'll say uh, yes, yes, yes. Jesus must be your not must be your after I finished singing. We started praying. We prayed, 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 prayed. That then I preached to them. I did full blown two hour service. <laughs> when I finished, one man, one evil man started singing. 
Oh, yeah, never mind. That man sang and sang the two slay queens. Fine, fine, girls at the back said, Oh, God, stop this prayer. The first pastor don't preach. You don't tire. I said, We are praying this prayer. The people was angry in the bus. We got to a new state. Back tire pulled out. Second tire pulled out. Must have been like this. Everybody is shouting. Pastor! Pray, 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 pray. Pastors, our pastors, pray. Then I remember the promise he told me. Say, if we don't kill you this year. Say, who, who came? I closed my eyes. I said, I've, I finished the says The battle is first in your spirit. He says, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It is the truth that makes free before the prayer. So I, I said, you want to kill me? Me. Oh, me that the truth has. You can't kill the truth now. Do you understand? The truth is already inside. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, it says, And you are wicked who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. What is course? The pattern. So, the pattern of this world is time past when you are in Christ. The pattern that influences people will not influence you when you come to Christ. Somebody said, ah, it's supposed to be happening without me knowing it. You need to know it. Praise the Lord. Say, after me, I've been delivered from the course of this world. I've been delivered from the pattern of this world. We had an accident too. And ran into the bush. I was the first to wake up. I closed open my eye. I started waking anybody. Wake up. There was no woman. Immediately we just moved. She just closed her eye. Like she has gone. I said, I, I, I told her, you are alive. <laughs> Mama, wake up. You are alive. You are not dead. He said, thank you, nurse. Pastors, thank you. Pastor. Young pastor, they met me. Young, the guy was an elderly man. So, young pastor, old pastor. <laughs> young pastor, thank you. Old pastor. <laughs> I said, and that was not the only instance. In the year 2016, I almost had, people were having dreams everywhere that I died. I said, it's not me. It's not me. I can't count how many accidents I had on the road. All of them. When I got to the I said, Satan, you said you missed me. Now, you truly missed me. Have a nice day. He says, in time past, somebody say, in time past. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Hey, it was in time past, no more. No more. The spirit are now working on the children of disobedience. Are you seeing what it's calling them? The children of what? Disobedience. Why? Because you are a child of obedience. In Christ Jesus, by believing the gospel, you are a child of obedience. Say after me, I'm a child of obedience. Arrange your offerings. Let's begin to give him praise. Say, If God be for me, who can be against me? Thank you for listening to the sermon. We hope you have been blessed by the teaching. Please visit our website, newbridgeccng.org, to download more of our sermons. Remain blessed.